presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. So we've been talking about living out of rest, right? Matthew remembers. Anyone else? Living out of rest. (laughs) Phoebe's <laughs> never heard of rest, okay. <laughs> we've, we've talked about lots of different things, about slowing down, um, you know, making time for the Holy Spirit to interrupt us. We've talked about taking time for Jesus. We've talked about, um, remember the whiteboard, and we talked about, like, what we can fill ourselves up with so that we go to overflowing. Are you with me? Yes, okay, yeah, good. Um, So we've talked about lots of different strategies about living out of rest. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, I know is a lot of people's questions is like, we go, yes, okay, I need to live out of rest. I need to make time for Jesus. And then chaos hits. Life, you know, we come from Sunday going, yes, I'm going to spend more time with Jesus. I need to worship more. And then we start our working week. And life gets busy, it gets chaotic and all of that kind of stuff. And sometimes there are just general stresses and there are things that we just feel like we're being hit at, we're being taken out by the enemy. And so I want to talk about some of those things today. I want to talk about some of the tools that the enemy uses to take us out as well. But first of all, let's get our Bibles out. And let's turn to John 16, verse 33. I should have done the, like, marking it so it take... <laughs> it's almost marked. So I'm going to tell you some stuff you don't want to hear today. All right? <laughs> and Jesus here is telling you some stuff that you don't want to hear. So, John 16, verse 33. Jesus has just finished talking about the Holy Spirit because he has gone to, um, yes, because like he's talking about that he's going to leave and he's talking about the Holy Spirit and he's going to give us the Holy Spirit when, when he leaves, but the disciples don't quite understand what that all means. But he does say to them at the end of all of that, he says, I've told you these things, all of the things previously in that chapter, about the Holy Spirit, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. (laughs) But take heart, I have overcome the world. (laughs) Many troubles, many troubles, yes. You know, God gives us a lot of promises. This is the one promise we don't really like to take hold of. There are going to be troubles in our life. Whether you believe in God, whether you don't believe in God, there is trouble. Right? We live in a world that is fallen. Uh, So then there's another promise from Jesus in John 15. So you don't have to go over it. You only have to flick back to John 15. Verse 18, another thing that you don't want to hear. If the world hates you, 
keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. So the other promise we don't want to hear about is that there's going to be persecution. If we believe in Jesus, there are going to be people in our lives who are going to make, our life, make it difficult. I don't think I probably really need to tell any of you any... Like, we don't really need to say much more on that, really, do I? Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that you're not going to get too, like, you know, too down today, right? Okay, because we have Jesus, yeah? Yeah. So um, we acknowledge that this world has trouble. We acknowledge that this world has persecution for our beliefs. But we also acknowledge that there's an evil force at work. Bible, John, ha, it's the favourite favorite, um, book this week, John 10.10. 10. I have used this one several times in several different sermons. Has, does anyone know John 10.10? 10? Oh, the song. You're going to come and sing it with me, Joe. <laughs> We learned that we learned this in um, the the Wyala Christian School before sunrise took over. Was John ten ten, Jesus Christ said, "I have come <laughs> that they might have life, <laughs> have it more abundantly, have it more abundantly." John ten ten. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> you, made, you made me do it. Um, okay. I was like, no, I don't have red cheeks. Okay, John 10.10 says, 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 the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So, there's a battle. Satan is real. Not pretend. He's there. He's out there. Another scripture um, in Ephesians 6.12. Anyone, anyone know that one off by heart? Uh, where are our Bible scholars? Ephesians 6 verse 12. Got it? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This one is a scripture that I'm not going to read the rest of it. This one then goes on to talk about the armor of God. This is one that you can take away home after this sermon and you can read this and you can like spend time in this space, 
All right, so that, there, there's a, a key for you to take home with you. So to sum up what we're going to talk about today, we're going to, to try to understand a little bit more about the enemy. We are going to talk a little bit more about some of the tactics of the enemy so that you have a little bit more knowledge about how, what he uses to hurt us, what he uses to pull us down, how he attempts to make our lives miserable. But also we're going to look at our perspective on how to fight that. So, I have been reading up on this subject for quite some time. A little while ago... Um, my mother-in-law, Anne, she put us onto this book by Blake Keeley, who talks about how he sees in the spiritual realm. So he sees angels, he sees demons, he sees not just that, but um, what's happening in the spiritual space. Um, so hard, it's so hard to explain, like it talks about sort of, I suppose, the spiritual atmosphere and what that, what that looks like. And so we've been learning more about what that looks like and I got his recent book called Indestructible, which is fight your spiritual battles from the winning side. And so I've been learning heaps and heaps of stuff from this book. Really, really great, really great read. The other one I've talked about is Destroying Fear. And um, that's from John Ramirez. And now he was a satanic general. He was a satanic leader in satanic church and so he's written a book about well this is what the satanic church does to fire at christians to pull them down this is what satan does and so he's come from from a place of learning about it now some of the things in there are some blanket statements that i might not necessarily completely agree with or kind of seems like not sort of very well thought about but in general generally he he talks about how to what the, what the enemy does. And so that's where some of the stuff that I'm going to give you today has, has come from, is, is some of that reading, and from the, from the Word of God too. So I want to read a little bit about when things go wrong, a little bit of a passage in this indestructible book. When things go wrong, now we've just talked about troubles, we've talked about persecution, and we've talked about attack, Right? But what do we usually go for? Attack. We usually go, if anything in my life is going wrong, it must be a spiritual attack, right? That's generally where we go. Um, And if I start doing something new in my life, then I'll get attacked if I do it. If I step up, if I step out into ministry, Satan's going to make it hard. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Blake Healy also comes with this other thought um, because when we, when we have this um, thought pattern that, well, if I do something for Satan, if I, if I do something for God, then I'm going to get attacked. Well, then I might as well just not do anything. But here's, here's his challenge on this. Here's his perspective. Every human being on this planet has a call of God on his or her life. The enemy is always doing everything he can to undermine that call, whether you are pursuing it or not. The safest place you can possibly be is in the middle of where God has called you to be. 
no other place will be as empowered, equipped and capable. This thought really challenged me because it really made me think that like, well, because when I go and start to do things, like preparing this sermon, like I'm going to, like, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking for attack, or things come and I'm like, oh, that, you know, I'm being attacked. I'm trying to be pulled down, trying to be stopped. And yeah, like, I probably am. But if I wasn't doing that sermon, he'd be, still be trying to stop me from doing the sermon. So, like, it doesn't matter what we're doing in our lives. He's, like, he's, he's trying to work at stopping us from being effective. And so every choice is, is very... makes you really think about every choice that we make has an effect on us in the spiritual and the physical. Now, I don't want you to get too hung up on thoughts, like, on, on like... Oh my goodness, like, I have to think through every single decision, right? Like, we're not going to get caught up on that. But just something out there, right? So I want to talk next about how imperative it is. It's absolutely imperative that we know who we belong to. I'm not here to bring fear, not here to bring stress, more stress into your life and, you know, and doubt, like, my goodness, like, life is going to be terrible, right? Jesus is with us every single step of the way. In Luke 10, 19 to 20, let's, let's get our Bibles out again. Luke 10, verse 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. I've talked about that scripture before too. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Like he's, he's given us that power. When we believe in Jesus, when he's part of our life, when we've given our heart to him, that's the power, the kind of power that we can live in. So how we see things can play a very, very big part in how we fight that battle. If you believe you have the power, or you don't. If you don't believe so much, you're going to come under more oppression. You're not going to be able to stand up and fight in the same way. There's... um, Another part of this perspective stuff that I wanted to read from this book. And it's going to help you, it's going to be one of your tools to help you 
along the way. And I'm going to get more into the tactics of the enemy, but I feel like this is most important first, is that you know that your place is in Jesus. This is about light and darkness. Light and dark are not equal opposites. God and Satan are not in a battle of equal forces. Light does not just have an advantage over darkness. The forces of good are not just stronger and they do not just outnumber the forces of evil. Darkness is nothing but the absence of light. This is Blake Keeley talking. When I walk into my office and turn on the light, there is no struggle for the light to dispel the darkness. The darkness does not peel away its layers like a stain being scrubbed from the floor. The darkness does not slowly retreat like a puddle blown by the wind. It is gone. Light is present. The battle is not about whether light can defeat darkness. The battle is about whether the light is on or not. I'll say that again. The battle is not about whether light can defeat darkness. The battle is about whether the light is on or not. So, as we talk more about what the enemy does, I want you to remember that. Jesus is light. When you tap into that, when you turn that on, there is no darkness. <laughs> Sorry, that makes me laugh. <laughs> That's a Holy Spirit laugh, that one. Like, just it comes from the, like, Jesus defeats light. Jesus defeats the darkness. There's, there's no question about it. Um, so, but with Jesus in our lives, we still see there are troubles in the world. We still see there are persecution. And yes, the enemy still tries to get to us. And so, like, there's not immunity from all of that stuff. Because Jesus had to go through it too. Remember, Jesus went to the desert and was tempted by the, by the devil. So, the tools and the weapons that the enemy uses. First of all, the enemy is going to look for opportunities to make your life hard. Now, for, for people who aren't Christians or don't believe in God, he's going to keep it that way. That's the enemy's plan to keep it that way, to keep them not believing in God, to keep them away from it, because they already belong to him. And so sometimes I think that's why we turn around and we look at other people who don't believe in God, who aren't Christians, and it looks like their life is perfect. It looks like they have everything. It looks like you know they're a good person, they're loving, they're caring. Satan's happy to keep it that way. Yeah? But for Christians, he's going to try to trick you into believing that you have no power. 
He's going to trick you into thinking that the darkness is stronger than the light. Because you already belong to Jesus. So if he can't have your life, which he doesn't have, so if he kills you, you go to heaven anyway, if you believe in Jesus, right? Okay, what fun is that? Apart from the fact that if you're going out and you're talking to people about Jesus and you're trying to, you know, you know save souls or, you know, bring people, people into church and stuff, you know, he's going to want to stop that, right? So he's going to start to make you feel like you have no power. He's going to make you feel like you're ineffective. So he's going to use strategies to make you want to just sit in church and... Be nice and lukewarm. <laughs> because when we're hot and when we're um, serving God and when we're doing things, we feel like we meet resistance. But when we're sitting and we're not doing much, there's also a sense of depression in that. So you're not winning either way. But when you are living the way that God wants you to live, you are winning. (laughs) When you are living in your call, yet things might be tough, but he's got you, he's with you. There's, um, there's, There's so much joy in serving him. There's so much more to get out of life than just sitting, being ineffective. So... One of the biggest tools that Satan uses is fear. You're probably not surprised by that. But if I think about all of the different things that, you know, Satan can use to distract us and to bring us down, he laces everything with fear. Let you think about that just for a minute. So Satan's going to find your weakest link and then he's going to start chipping away at it and he's going to start instilling fear into you. Maybe it's a fear of sickness. Maybe it's a fear of failure. Maybe it's a fear of not being liked. Maybe it's a fear of death. Fear of being embarrassed, like making me sing John 10.10. (laughs) The list is endless that he will begin to start trying to instill fear into you, to stop you from moving and to stop you from going and to stop you from serving Jesus. Like it even gets to the place where there's those irrational fears Now, don't pretend you don't have them. You know, like the fear of spiders. (laughs) That's a real fear, is it, Gary? (laughs) The fear of heights. The fear of darkness. Some of those fears are irrational fears because, like, I mean, a little spider, like, we really, you know, it's like, all we have to do is go step on it although if 
Oh, hang on, Lynn's not here. It's okay. Lynn gets the spiders and she puts them outside, <laughs> which shows me she's not scared of them because she, you do that too, Rachel. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Sometimes I do that if they're too big for me to squash because I don't like the sound of the squish. But he's going to start taking those fears and he's going to start making them grow. As soon as they touch you and you take on those thoughts and you let them in, they're going to grow and you're going to begin to start living in fear and it's going to stop you from doing what God has asked you to do and it's going to stop, stop you from living a life that is joyful and that is happy and that is in him. The other thing that he does, and it comes along with fear, and like I said, I think everything is laced with fear. If we're talking about, you know, being poisoned, the lacing of poison, um, is that he's going to lie to you. He's going to send out his demons to lie to you and to tell you um, things that are complete and utter lies. He's going to, those demons are going to sit there and try to make you reflect them. So that kind of stuff can be speaking negatively. They're going to speak negative, disgusting things into your life and your dreams as well. They're going to make you believe things about yourself that are not true. And then this lie becomes a truth and you just start living in it. For example, the counsellor is going to come out in me now, okay? So you get a little bit of a counselling session. This is something that I do in counselling. I don't necessarily don't talk about God, but what I do talk about is the lies that we begin to believe. And we can call them scripts. So in our life... We live our lives and we do things and we go along about things and we learn sort of rules for ourselves. Does that make sense? And so we kind of begin to create this new script for our life. So one of the, one of the examples I usually use, right, is with kids. So if you have several kids in, you know, around you, you might ask one child to go pick up their shoes because they left them on the floor. One child might say, yes, mummy. Another child will say, I'll do it in a minute. Another's like, they're not my shoes. And you could probably say that every single time you ask them to pick up their shoes, they're going, that certain child is going to give you that same response. Think about it. When you were a kid and you were told to go clean up your room, what was your response? And has it ever changed? <laughs> so that's how like, we develop these scripts in our lives of how we live. And so Satan comes along and he goes, okay, let me just fashion that and make that a lie that you're going to live in and then we can keep you trapped over here in this space. So, for example, perhaps you got something wrong once or twice as a kid. And so then it makes you feel bad. The enemy comes in and he says, you're always going to get everything wrong. You're never right. 
that one sound familiar? Maybe you have conflict with friends, you lose a friendship. No one likes me anyway. <laughs> Mood. That's, uh, if you don't know modern language, that's one of the modern language words that we, you use these days. Yep. It's the amen of the next generation, Amy says. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe you can start thinking of some of these lies that, that Satan has started to tell you. That are starting to fashion your life and starting to, make, is starting to stop you from doing things. It's not my fault. No one likes me anyway. I'm just a messy person. It's all my fault. So many things. I think that you probably, like, you can all, like, probably, you know, you've got, like, tick, 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 little things going on in your head. The lies that Satan's been telling you. And then you believe it. And so guess what you do? You live it. So the next friendship that you have, that, you know, because the friendship went wrong before, the next friendship you have, all you're looking for is the moment when it's going to go wrong. Because I don't deserve friends anyway, and I'm not a good person, and no one likes me anyway. So why would they want to be my friend? So if he can even get you to believe even a smidge just a smidge of a lie he's got the foothold he's started and then that grows and he will start to color your lens and how you see yourself and how you see other people so that all of your interactions are going to be filtered via the demon Some other things I realise that I'm probably going to start running out of time. Some other things that he'll do. I've just given them some quick sentences, so we're not going to dwell on them. But I want you to know what some of the tools of the enemy are because we need to start looking out for them so that we can start getting the right perspective on them. I'm going to get to the perspective in a minute and you probably know what some of the answers are going to be. But I might have some different thoughts for you as well on that. So some of the other tools... He's going to pour shame over your head to remind you of your past failures. You know those times when you're just casually doing something and you just remember something? Oh man, that was so embarrassing. That's what I did like. Well, that's what happened in my life. He's going to fill your mind with worry. Thanks to Haley for mentioning that this morning. To cause you to stress, which causes internal pain. <laughs> Thanks, Phoebe. <laughs> He's going to bring confusion to your decision making. You think you've made a decision, yep, I'm going to go to that. The whisper of the voice, oh, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe you should go do it this way. And then you're confused, you don't know what to do, and what should you do, and where should you go? It's going to create conflict in your relationships. He does not want you to 
have good relationships with people. He wants to break up your friendships. He wants to break down your family. He wants to cut ties so he can create loneliness for you so that you're not connected in with Jesus or the people who love Jesus. And so he'll create conflict and then he'll attack you with a spirit of offence. You'll take something little that somebody has said and that's it, you're offended. Don't want to talk to them anymore. You're not my friend. He'll use pride to blind you of what's really happening around you. To make you think that you're better than other people. He'll speak words of discouragement and criticism just to hurt you. He is a dirty, rotten liar. So, I could give you the cliches, right? Yep. You need to pray. Yep, you need to put on your worship music. And yep, you need to read your Bible. You guys all know that, right? Put your hand up if you know that. I know that, right? But there's more to it than that. Because Satan has come along and he's tried to change your perspective. And he's tried to change the way that you see things. So, guess what's going to happen? You're going to pull out your Bible... And you're going to go, I'm not very good at reading anyway. <laughs> There's too many yeps coming from your direction today, baby. <laughs> oh, you're going to pull out your Bible and you're going to go, oh, I've got too many other things to do. I don't have time today. I'll do it later. Yeah, <laughs> there were lots of yeps then. <laughs> What's the point? It's boring anyway. (laughs) You can put on the worship music. You can listen to it or you could still be replaying that argument you had with someone. What am I going to do with it? What am I going to say? I'm going to say this to them. I'm going to tell them this and I'm going to give it to them. How dare they treat me that way? Well, so much closer is happening in the background. (laughs) Or you you can be listening to that music and you can just be thinking how unfair life is. What's the point anyway? You can just be thinking and worrying about your finances. So it's a battle of perspective. What is going to be your heart attitude? What is, what, are you going to be able to turn some of this stuff around so that your perspective when you go to read your Bible is different? So your perspective when you go to put on that worship music is different. <laughs> when you go to pray, it's different. I didn't say that one, did I? Do you want to hear my, see my note, hear my notes on praying? I know I need to finish. Do you want? Okay, 
Yeah? All right. So is it just whinging and whining to God? Is it demanding things? God, I need this. Give me this, please. You told me that you have, you know, every, in your word it says everything I ask for is mine and I want this. Is it me focused? Is it, it's not fair anyway. What's the point in praying? Do you even hear me? Can you hear some of the lies in some of those phrases? Satan, he tries to change our whole perspective for when we go to do these things. So if we can begin to start taking that and turning that around and have a God perspective and a heaven perspective, then we are going to fight the enemy. As soon as I turn my back on that conflict I had and all the things that I want to say to that person and I start singing that song and then the conflict comes back. No, I'm singing this song. Conflict, no, no, I am singing this song. You've won the battle. You might have to do it more than three times (laughs) because we get caught up in our own head, don't we? We get caught up in justice and we get caught up in, in wanting our life to go perfectly and wanting it all to be fair. <laughs> God is a God of the impossible. He can come along and change our thought patterns and erase those lies. However, he has given us free will. So he's only going to erase those lies when you step into his presence and say, I want that lie raised. And then we have to begin to step out and build new relationships. We need to step out and we need to build new ways of saying things and talking to people and new ways of talking to ourselves. Because most of this stuff comes from our internal self-talk. So, I shall finish. We'll finish up on that. I have some more stuff for you, um, but not this week, and it's not on these notes. I actually wrote, wrote another sermon, and then I went, oh, that's not the one that God wants me to do this week. I'll do that one at another time. And, and that other sermon is going to be focused on our relationships and on church and who we are in Christ and what Satan wants to do to stop us in that space. But first of all, like all of this stuff, so now I've, I've told you these things. Maybe you can be a little bit more aware of your thought patterns. Maybe you can be a little bit more aware to change your perspective on things and to start fighting that in your mind you don't have to do it alone right because Jesus is with you you don't have to believe the lies you don't have to live in the fear because you have Jesus with you you have the power of prayer if you have the power of Jesus in you you have the power to do miracles you have the power to um, 
tell demons where to go. And you have the Holy Spirit in you. Well, that just, the Holy Spirit is fire. Holy Spirit burns up anything that comes in anywhere near you when you allow him to. It is about permission. Who are you giving permission to? Are you going to give permission to the enemy? Are you going to let him speak into your space? Or are you going to give permission to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and let him speak into your space? So I hope I've given you some things to think about. Please, please, please do not let the spirit of fear come and take over and speak into your life when you walk out of here and go, oh no, Satan's after me. Okay? I need, I need some amens. Amen. Amen. amen? We are not letting the spirit of fear speak into that space because it's not about him. It's about Jesus. All right? So, very quickly, one of my perspectives is I put my hat on, which says, nope, not today, Satan. <laughs> I go for my walk. Yes, Hannah, Hannah made me buy this hat. I go for my <laughs> walk sometimes, and I put on my T-shirts that say, nothing is impossible for him. Or, um, what's the other one? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And sometimes, like, this is my physical way of kind of saying, you know, this is, this is what's happening. It's just, a, it's just a hat. It doesn't actually, you know, have power. But it helps me with my thought processes. All right, let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you that you are a miracle-working God, that you are an awesome God, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you, Jesus, that you came and died on the cross for us, that gives us eternal life, that you trampled on death, (laughs) and we don't have to fear death anymore. And we come before you, Lord, and we just say that we want you to be our perspective. We want to look at things with, with godly eyes. We want to open our mind to the Holy Spirit and we want to close down everything that, that the enemy has to say to us and to speak to us about. I thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit is here with us. Let the Holy Spirit raise up within us as we walk away today from church and let us live in that close relationship with you, Holy Spirit, that when things come our way, when the chaos comes, that we reach out to you, we know that you're burning that up with fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Amen. message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.